you have your Bibles tonight, would you open them please to 2 Samuel chapter 7. On Sunday night, we're in a sermon series entitled, A Man After God's Own Heart. A look at the life of David. A man who is in God's Hall of Fame. The idea, as we study David, we would seek to emulate him, even as David sought to emulate the Lord Jesus Christ. The message tonight is simply entitled, David and the Temple. David and the church of his day. 2 Samuel chapter 7. And we will begin reading with verse 1. And it came to pass when King David sat in his palace, that the Lord had given him peace from all of his enemies that were round about him. That the king said to Nathan the prophet, who was, by the way, his pastor, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar. I live in a palace. But the ark of God, where God lives, is made of curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go do all that is in your heart, for the Lord shall be with you. But it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan and said, Go back and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, Shall he build me a house for me to dwell in? I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day. But I have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spoke I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I command to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build you not me a house of cedar? Now therefore, so, so, so shall thou say unto the, my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took you from the sheep goat, from following sheep, to become in a ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with you wherever you went, and I've cut off all the enemies out of thy sight. I have made you a great name, like unto the name of great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, and they may dwell in that place of their own, and move no more. They shall wonder no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. Verse 11, as since that time I commanded judges to be over my people Israel and to cause you to rest from all of your enemies. And also the Lord telleth you that he will make you a house. And when the die days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, David, what there will come a day when you will die. I will set up thy seed after you, which shall proceed out of your loins and I will establish his kingdom. And this your son who is going to come shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Sometimes verses are hard to understand, but if you'll hang with me, I'll explain them to you. Many years ago, there was a man by the name of Shah Jahan, and he desired to construct a building to honor his wife. 
Construction began. 22,000 laborers would work nonstop 24 hours a day on rotating shifts to complete the building that he wanted built to honor his wife. The building would take 22 years to finish. Gold, pearl, silver, precious stones, no expense was spared. The cost in our dollars to build this house that would take 22 years to complete was $200 million. Now that building that he built, was actually constructed to be a tomb, a crypt, a mausoleum to put the body of his wife that he had been married to for 19 years. In that 19 years, they had 14 children together. And she died giving birth to number 14. In honor of her, he built this tomb to place her body. A $200 million tomb. The name of that building, the name of that tomb, the Taj Mahal. In our story, David desires to build God a new building. A temple, if you will. A Taj Mahal, if you will. David wants to build God a place to live in. You see, David is bothered. David is the king of Israel. He lives in a palace. God is the king of kings. And he lives in a canvas tent in a wooden box. It's called the tabernacle. And David desires to build a spectacular building, a spectacular house of worship, a spectacular temple, a spectacular church where God will be and the people of God can come to Him and worship Him. Now David's desire is noble. David's desire is honorable. He doesn't want God to live in something that's junky. He wants to build God something nice. But God declines David's offer. God says, David, thank you so much for caring about where I live and where I stay. But David, I will not accept your offer. God then speaks to Nathan. Nathan, as I said earlier, is David's pastor. And God speaks to Nathan and he says, I want you to go tell David a message on my behalf. I want you to tell him three things. Make him understand. First of all, Nathan, you go back and tell David, while I appreciate he wants to build a temple for me, I don't want it built now. I'm perfectly content right now staying where I'm at, in the canvas tent, in the box. I'm okay with that right now. 
Then God says, go and tell David one more thing. Tell him that he will be victorious over all the enemies of Israel. There are many enemies out there that are going to attack. I am going to use David to defeat every single one of them. Peace is coming to Israel. And I will use David to defeat the enemies that will come against the nation. Primarily the Philistines, but other enemies as well. And then lastly, I want you to tell David one more thing. Tell him this. I am going to use one of his sons to build my temple one day. David will not be allowed to do it, but I will use one of his sons to be the architect and the builder of my temple. Nathan goes back and tells David the message. And David, who was a man after God's own heart, was greatly disappointed. But he understood God's word. He understood God's reasoning for it. Now pay attention why God would not allow David to do it. The Lord wanted his temple to be built by a man whose reign would be associated with peace and not war. David was a soldier. David was a Dwight Eisenhower. He was a military man who became the king. He was a a warrior. And God was using him to defeat the enemies of Israel. That the nation could be secure and the nation could be expanded, and the nation could prosper. David was a soldier fighting wars for God. He was doing exactly what God wanted him to do. 1 Chronicles chapter 22, verses 7 and 8 state that in so many words. But God did not want a man whose name was associated with war. God did not want a man whose name was associated with the blood shed in battle to be the one that would build his temple, which would become a house of peace. The temple was to be a a house of worship, a house of peace. It was to be built in a time of peace, by a man of peace. For the people of God to come and worship the Prince of Peace. In peace with God and in peace with one another. The house of God was to be constructed by a man of peace. Solomon. In a time of peace during his reign. It was to be built for the people of God to go there. And in the atmosphere of peace. To worship the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. And to do it with peace among themselves. That's what God had in mind. Now that's the story in the skinny. That's the story in the simple. That's the story in the plain, black and white, vanilla version. But out of this story, I think there's some principles I want to give you tonight that I hope you and I will learn from it. 
Because remember, every story in the Bible has what we call the rest of the story. It has the front story, but it also has the back story. So let's talk about some principles that we can learn from what we just heard. Principle number one. God's church, and the temple was a church, by the way. God's church is to be a place of peace. What God wanted in that day has not changed to what God wants today. God wants His church to be a place of peace. A place where people can come and find inward peace. Out there, there's anxieties. Out there, there's worries. Out there, there's stress. Out there, there's turmoil. Out there, there's fear. Out there is apprehensions and intrepidations. But when you come in here, God wants this place right here to be a place of peace. A place of tranquility, serenity, calmness where you can sense the very presence of God Himself. God wants His church to be a place not only of inward peace, but of outward peace. A place where out there people fuss and fight all the time. But He wants His church to be a place where people get along. As we said earlier, where they like one another, and they live together and worship together in unity and harmony and camaraderie and fellowship. God wants His church to be a place of inward peace. It is well with my soul when I'm here. A place of outward peace where we all get along, we're family. He also wants it to be a place of upward peace. Where everything that we say and do points people to Jesus Christ. For all peace comes from Christ. You will never have peace till you have Jesus. God wants His church to be a place of peace. And if we don't have peace here, listen to me, the Prince of Peace is not here. Principle number two. God's church is not so much brick and mortar as it is flesh and bone. If I asked you, what's the church? Oh, that's easy, Pastor. This building. (laughs) No, wrong. The church is those of us that are sitting in this building. It's true that God at one time lived in a box. And then God moved from the box to a building, which would be called the temple, which we've been talking about a little bit. But God decided he got tired of living in a box. He got tired of living in a building. And so when the precious Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost, all of that changed. God said, I'm now going to live in a body I'm going to live in the body of those who believe in me. So, to be New Testament, the church is not the brick and mortar of this building. 
It's the flesh and bone of you and I. And God wants us to be a church that understands it's not about the building. It's about the body. It's not about the physical. It's about the spiritual. And I say that because many churches don't seem to get that. They invest all of their time, all of their labor, all of their money, everything they have in trying to keep up facilities and build new facilities and build bigger and better facilities. Now listen, I'm not against that. We do that around here. But it will not come at the expense of trying to build up the spiritual body. I don't care what the paint colors are on the wall. What I care about is, are we speaking kindly to one another and getting along with one another? What difference does it make if we have this particular color on the wall and we're cussing and fussing all the time? I don't care, quite frankly, what color the carpet is. I know for some of you it's a big deal, and I respect that. But I'm more concerned about are we not just the carpet on the floor, but are we a people who, who is living such a way that is honoring Jesus? Folks, it doesn't matter what color the carpet is. If we're drinking alcohol and fornicating. It doesn't matter what shape the light fixtures are. If we're full of hatred and bias and arrogance. It doesn't matter. If we're a a building filled with the bodies of dead people. A tomb. God wants us to be a body of living believers. Who are worshiping Him. And sometimes we just get it backwards. Again, I'm not against facilities and updates and all of that stuff. We're doing that. But I'm more concerned about you. And you need to be concerned about me. We need to be concerned about the spiritual body, not the physical building. Because the spiritual body is the church. Principle number three. Sometimes dreams do not come true. Sometimes your dreams are not going to come true. David wanted to be an architect. David wanted to be an engineer. David wanted to to be a builder. David wanted, his dream, listen to me, his dream was to build God a temple. But God made him a warrior. Whistler, the great painter, known for his painting of his mother. Do you know he didn't want to be a painter? He wanted to be a soldier. He went to West Point to become a first lieutenant. To serve 
the country, in the military. But he flunked chemistry. He couldn't pass chemistry, so they, they washed him out. And he had to do something. <laughs> so he picked up a paintbrush and started painting. And what a painter he became! But his dream was to be a, a soldier. Sir Walter Scott's dream was to be a poet. The only problem was there was a guy by the name of Lord Byram who could write poetry around him like circles. And so Sir Walter Scott kind of figured out, I'm not going to ever be anything with a poet with this guy on the block. So you know what he decided to do? He started writing novels. Become one of the greatest writers of all time in novel writing. Vance Havner, one of the great men of God. Do you know he wanted to be a pastor? But he couldn't take people. (laughs) But he wanted to be a pastor. That's what his dream was, to pastor folks like you. If he had folks like you, he would have been a pastor. But he couldn't be a pastor. So... He did what he really didn't want to do. He became a revivalist. And he's one of the most quoted revivalists slash evangelists there has ever been. You know, I wanted to be a football coach. That was my dream. I wanted to coach football. I never said I wanted to be a pastor. But God changed all of that. Maybe you wanted to be something. Maybe you're sitting right here and you say, I can remember when I wanted to be this and have this and do that. That was your dream. And now some years later, that dream isn't going to happen. But God has given you something else. Listen to me. Oftentimes, God will close the door. And then later, he'll open another one. When God closes a door in one direction, pay attention. You need to start putting your head on a swivel and looking around because he will open a door in another direction. God wants to put us exactly where he wants us to be. That we might bring glory to him and do good to others, and grow ourselves to be something for Him. You see, God sees the big picture, and He sees the whole picture. We don't. Aren't you glad that maybe God didn't give you your dream? Because that dream might have turned into a nightmare. Or that dream may have hindered you, or in some way lessened who you are right now. Maybe that God not giving you that dream kept you from marrying the wrong person, but you couldn't see it at the time. Kept you from working in the wrong job where you would have been miserable the rest of your life. You see, God opens doors and closes doors. And sometimes we get upset when God doesn't give us our dream, but listen to me, God knows what He's doing. 
And sometimes our dreams will not come true. But God has something better down the road. Another principle, number four. Our dreams that do not come to pass can often be the inspiration for others. David's dream was to build the temple. God shut the door. God opened the door that he would be a warrior instead. And he would defeat the enemies of Israel and establish a time of peace. So when Solomon came into power, his administration wouldn't have to fight. The wars have already been fought. They've already been won. The blood has already been shed. There's now peace. And Solomon could devote his administration, his, his reign, to the building of the temple of peace. David's dream would not be his dream. It would become Solomon's dream, his son. David passed on to Solomon, his son, his vision. And Solomon, his son, would take that vision and bring it to reality. Parents, it's so important that we share our dreams with our children at some point. Because it might be that we will not be the ones to bring our dreams to pass, but God will use our offspring to do it. I was visiting a lady some time back who had a brand new luxury car in her driveway. The car cost more than the house that she lived in. She was a lady of modest means, probably... Five or six hundred dollars a month income. I asked her, very shocked, by the way, when I pulled up. Is that your car? She said, yes, it is, Pastor. I said, how in the world did you get that? And she said, my husband, and I knew her husband. He always wanted to buy me a new car. He wanted to get me a nice car. That was his thing. He wanted to do that. But pastor, he never made a lot of money. And he didn't handle what little money he made very well. He always meant well, but he never could bring it about. But in the hospital before he died, he told my son this was what he wanted. This was his dream. This was his desire. And he said he was leaving this world with the regret he never could make it happen. Well, the son said to himself, my dad can't do it, I will. And he bought his mother that luxury car. You see, sometimes God takes our dream and he allows us to convey it to somebody else. And that somebody else will take what we couldn't do and do it. So parents, talk to your children. Let them know what your dream is, because it might be that you will not be the one who dreams that dream. They will, and they will bring it to pass. Last principle. Dream big. And even though you might fail, God will honor you. Dream big. 
And though you might not be the one who sees the dream come to fruition, though you may not see the dream come to pass, God will honor you for dreaming. Say, Pastor, where do you get that? 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 17 through 19. Listen carefully. And it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. This is Solomon speaking. And the Lord said unto David, my father, Whereas it was in thy heart to build a house unto thine my name, and thou didst well that it was in thy heart, nevertheless thou shalt not build the house, but thy son shall come forth out of thy loins, and he shall build the house unto my name. Verse 18, listen to this. Where it was in thy heart to build a house unto my name. David, I know it was in your mind and heart to build this house. I know what you were thinking. I know what you were feeling. I can read your mind and heart, David. This is God speaking. Nevertheless, I didn't allow you to do it. I allowed your son to do it. But I am pleased with you, David, that you had the desire. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes it's the thought that counts in God's eyes. It's the thought. It's the desire. What do you desire? What do you dream for? What do you want? What do you want to attempt to do? Because God wants to see dreamers. He wants people that dream big. And even though your dream may not come true because of things you can't control or things you can control and you just don't do them well, God will still honor you for the fact that that's really what you wanted. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? It's better to dream big and fail than to dream small and succeed. Be a big dreamer. I know sometimes our dreams will not come true. I was talking to a lady some time back and we were talking about her marriage. Actually, she didn't have a marriage. She said, many years ago, Pastor, I married a man that I thought was my Prince Charming. He was everything I ever wanted in a man, but, but, He left me for another woman. He left me with three kids for another woman. And when he left, he never came back. Never heard from him. He never checked on us. He never sent any money to us. Never told the children what he was going to do. And just left me a note. He essentially just left and left me with three children and all of the debts, and all of the obligations, and all the responsibilities, and all of the burdens. She said, I wanted my children to be great for God. I wanted to send them to a Christian school. I wanted my sons to be like Billy Graham. I wanted my children to be like Corey Ten Boom. She said, I dream big for my kids, but when he left me, 
I didn't have time to dream anymore. I worked two jobs, 16 hours a day plus. It was everything I could do just to put clothes on their back from the Goodwill store and beans on the table and get them to the public school. It was everything I could do just to say a prayer for them, much less sit down with them and teach them the Bible. Everything I could do just to get them to church. She said, Pastor, my dream was they would one day be great for God. But that dream never came true. Two of them are out in the world and the other's not doing so well either. But you see, she had the dream, didn't she? And I believe God will honor that dream one day. I don't know if her children will ever turn out the way she wants. But I believe there's a place in heaven for people who dream. Who wanted to do something great for God, but because of things beyond their control, perhaps, they never really got the opportunity. I would rather dream big for God and fail than dream small for God and succeed. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed.